0: Welcome to a Heritage Christian Centre podcast. For more information, visit www.heritagecc.com.au. We hope this message blesses your life. Wonderful. I want to look at Ephesians 5 and, and three verses predominantly, but the, the centre verse is uh, Ephesians five sixteen, And I'll read this out of New King James to start with and then a couple other versions so we can grab it. It says in that, it says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, now if you look around the media and situations and the world circumstances, uh, and, and the whole lot of stuff is happening, you know, the attack on the church, uh, the church with regard to things like Brian Houston, this thing's been going on for years. They've been trying to attack the church, I don't know how long, and whether I agree with everything they do or don't do, you know, it's an, he, there may have been an unwise decision done somewhere along the track, but the attack is unwarranted to the level of it. Um, the attack on the Christian school, um, the, the world is trying to force us to accept their theology and and we're trying to stand up for what we believe the Bible clearly teaches. And so the world is reacting and making a huge media storm over things that, that are just clearly a statement of what we truly believe the Bible teaches. Um, and, and I find that, Really, a spiritual warfare issue that we need to be aware of. And, church, can I encourage you? Please pray, pray for the principals of all our schools, and especially at this point, uh, the Christian schools, because I'm sure Christian College is going to have some some challenges to face in the days ahead as well. Uh, and, church, we need to stand and support these people. Uh, they're, they're helping raise our children with a God. God culture and a God understanding yes it's about the goodness and kindness of God and that God loves all people but God doesn't love all behavior and so let's uh, not be judgmental but let's not be wrong and, and afraid of taking a stand for righteousness and if we suffer for righteousness the Bible says rejoice don't suffer for wrongdoing so please keep our Christian schools and all our school principals and teaching staff and admin in your prayers um these are, in many ways, evil days. And yet, when I read other versions, it gives a slightly different perspective. In the ERV, it says, I mean that you should use every opportunity to have, you have for doing good, because these are evil times. Uh, the Amplified actually gives a little bit different, than which I really like. It says, Making the most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. See, the day itself is not what's evil. It's what's happening and the world is trying to fill it with its heartbeat, its philosophy, the spirit of the age. And, And to actually develop that, we need to look at the verses either side of it. So we'll look at 15, 16 and 17. And verse 15 says this, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Careful means to, to walk accurately and precisely. The, the old King James uses the word circumspectly. It comes from Latin, uh, circum around and spec is um, to look, to look around, surveying, seeing what's happening, being aware of the consequences of decisions and then having to make a decision. So sometimes we we see the consequence and it may not be good, but because of the circumstance, we still have to choose a decision. Like Paul, when Agabus came to Paul and he took the girdle or his belt and wrapped it around his wrist, he said, prophetically, he said, the person whose girdle or belt this is, is gonna be taken captive by the Romans and will be killed. And Paul says, What are you doing making everyone weeping? Look, I, I'm ready to die for Christ. And so Paul then continued, regardless, but he knew the circumstances. He knew what lay ahead of him. He didn't go there um, unwillingly, unwittingly, he looked carefully. It, It carries the idea of walking like a a narrow mountain pass. And and some of you might have watched some YouTube clips where they drive these trucks up these tiny roads that have thousands of metres drop on one side and they try and pass it. And and, it's some of the most dangerous roads in the world. That's where circumspect means. You you carefully watch your step where you're going. Sometimes in life, because we live in such a fast-paced world, we end up getting caught up with the speed of the world. We we judge what's happening according to the speed of the world. And, you know, that's not necessarily the best thing to do. Just because something is going fast does not mean it's going right, nor does it mean we can handle that pace. (laughs) I don't know if any of you have ever thought about it or heard uh, Formula One race drivers or people talk about that kind of thing. I mean, a lot of people here would probably love, i heard like a Ferrari? Come on, a brand new Ferrari car. Come on, guys. Who'd like it? Okay, so a few people shaking hands. How many of you actually think you could handle driving a Ferrari? Yeah, yeah you could learn. You could try. You'd probably crash it before you learn. I mean, I mean, you put your foot halfway, you're even a third of the way down, the wheels are spinning, the back end, because it's... You're not capable of that speed of life. And you know, God has designed us in a way that that we can walk at a best speed for us. Trouble is, we try and get caught up with the world. We try and run as fast as the world and everything. Now, I'm not saying we should or shouldn't. I'm just saying we need to be aware of the speed and pace of our life. Sometimes we've just got to Stop. We're guilty of living too fast. We make snap decisions and judgments and we speak before we've listened. We react before. We, we know what to say. We, we keep pressing the throttle on life because we've got so much happening. We're juggling so many balls in life when we probably need to slow down. We think we might maybe miss out on the FOMO principle. So we've got to keep up with the Joneses or keep up with the latest tech or keep up. Did you realise, I mean, I still have a Samsung Note 3 that works quite well and has kept working. What's really scary is I probably have an iPhone 2 that still works. Anyway, (laughs) the reality is just because it's not working doesn't mean I have to upgrade. If you're not using it, what's the point? And I'm not saying you shouldn't or shouldn't. I'm just saying we've got to stop and look. Don't have this fear of missing out. Don't get caught up with the world. And it's, it, it, We can be so caught up in, even in church life that we run too fast. If you know, when we, when we were early in the church, we had meetings on all the time. There was a meeting this night and that night and that night and this night. You know, we don't do that as much anymore. You know why? I want you to have a life and to know one another. We want us to to build organic, godly, intimate relationships that go deeper and not shallower. Do I want them to grow more? Yes, but I want to make sure that we grow better relationships and they take time. We try to win, even in church life, too fast. And many of us would know and heard the boom and bust principle People get so big so quickly. Businesses grow so fast, they destroy themselves. Our words become hasty and ill-timed. I think we need to stop. Not go hurry, hurry, hurry. Because sometimes we hurry so much, we trip and fall. And, And we trip not only in the headlong pursuit of evil, but also sometimes in the headlong pursuit of good. Sometimes we are going so fast, we don't. We we trip over our own feet in trying to do so much. And the answer is not in buying a planner. The answer is not in getting organised so much. As it is in the, the biblical words of Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. If you are too busy to stop and take time to hear and learn to hear the voice of God, You're in danger. This isn't in my notes, but a quick digression. How many of you have heard the word of God where Jesus said, you shall love your neighbour but hate your enemy? Who thinks that sounds like Jesus? It's what he said. But he said it in the context of, you have heard it said, but I say. But he did say it. See, when Jesus talks like that, He's giving us two voice tones or tenses. He's giving us the voice of accusers and His voice. And so often in Scripture, when we read stuff, we hear some other voice... And we then misinterpret that's the voice of the Lord. Uh, In the latter Psalms, and and we've heard this mentioned before, there's a there's a psalm where where a priest or Levite's written and he writes, God blesses those who dash their children's heads against rocks. Does that actually sound like God? Or is that the voice of a victim? who's crying out for revenge and he's written a song or a psalm where he wants revenge and he wants God to act like that because he's seen the children of Israel had that happen to them where they've been taken captive by the Babylonians. Where the Babylonians have taken their little children and done that, when they've taken their sons and daughters who are mature and used them for, for sex slavery or, or uh, eunuchs, where we've seen this happen, and he writes a psalm, a song, God bless the people who do the same to them. It's the, it's the voice of, of a victim who's crying out. It's not God. And people say, well, the Bible says that God, God said everything. No, he didn't. When we read the Bible, we have to learn to discern. what what is actually the voice of the Lord and what's someone else's comment or someone else's understanding of God or someone else's interpretation or what's the legalism comment about that issue, but not what does God say. And see, I believe as as we learn to, when we read the scripture, learn to discern which is actually the voice of the Lord in Scripture, we start to learn to hear the voice of the Lord in our heart by His Spirit better. And the way we do this, we have to stop. We have to think circumspectly. We need to take a look around and look at the context. And if it doesn't look like Jesus, it is probably not God. It's one of these other thoughts that are coming in. Paul talks about this and it's, it's not as easy to see it, but in, in the middle of one of the chapters in Corinthians, Paul makes a comment and he says, nevertheless, it's, it's about women in leadership. The first half of the chapter, Paul's making this comment about head coverings and all that. And then he goes, nevertheless. And he says this in the nevertheless portion, God gave women hair for a covering, which means, When Paul talks about head coverings up here, that's not Paul's comment. That's someone else's comment that Paul was referring to. And then he says right at the end, and when you look at that in the church, we have no such rules. So we start to hear and discern the voice of God when we actually stop, pause a moment, be still, And know that I am God. And when we do that, we learn to hear His voice, we learn to hear His will, then we realize that we can become more effective than if we rush headlong and make mistake after mistake. Some, I, mean, I, had a, I had a friend of mine and when I was training, my telecom training, uh, he was brilliant as far as how fast he could get a job done. Uh, he wasn't overly tidy. Uh, which means when he made a mistake, you couldn't find it. <laughs> and, and one day we had to wire up a whole relay system and he beat everyone else by half an hour. And when he put it on the testing rack, it didn't work. And, and so then he went back to his, his workplace and continued working. And, and about 15 minutes later, I went up, put mine up, worked perfectly first time, wasn't tidy either, but it was tidier than his, and it worked. Which means that I passed. Uh, and, and a little while later, after most of the group had finished, one guy came up and put his on, and it worked perfectly. And it looked—I mean, it looked every every knot he tied in the twine to hold it was exactly the same distance apart. The wiring loom tapered perfectly. You know, it was like wow. And he, but he took half as long as everyone else. Anyway, my friend still hadn't finished. Anyway, he walks up to test his at the end and it still didn't work. So he took it, and he threw it over his shoulder. It turned out that one of the relays he'd been given was broken. And he was right. <laughs> so, but you're like it's like sometimes we rush. We rush we need to pause. That's why the Bible says in verse 16, which is one we read, redeeming or making the most of every opportunity because the days are filled with evil. Stop, look around. What are the opportunities that God places before you to demonstrate kenosis? a cruciform life, a Christ-likeness. What opportunities are there to make these days, to redeem, to get them back, to make the most, to cause them to be productive? We we often think the word redeem is about salvation, but it just means to buy back or to purchase or to make the most of it. Get back what you could lose. And, And why not not lose it if you can help it in the first place? Now, When it says the days are evil, most of you would understand that's not talking about day by day by day. It's talking about a season. It's talking about something bigger than that. You know, like when someone goes, we're leaving at 5.15. Someone else says, it's time to leave. They they might have similar meanings, but they're different phrases. Uh, There's this 10 minutes or it's time. Uh, There's... History and there's present, there's seasons of life. There's the times of the Gentiles. There's the times of the Jews. There's the times of revival. So I want to make sure we get this right. There are times, and, and probably a great example of, of recognising a time or a season would have been the, the speech by Dr. Martin Luther King. I don't know if you've heard it. If, you're a, if you've got American background, you probably have listened to it. Uh, it's an amazing speech. It's an amazing comment that we should think about. He gave this speech in in August 1963, I believe it was, or I can't remember, it's around that time. And he talks about the fierce urgency of now. He talks about how important it is, this is the time, this is the, the moment. The message version tells me in verse 16, these are desperate times. There, there, it's a time when we have an opportunity that evil is prospering, but we could do something. And you've heard the saying, yeah, for evil to prosper, all that needs to happen is for good people to do nothing. Well, church, it's time for us as believers to actually do something. It's time for us to live in a way that changes our world. Paul writes that in the context of being in prison in Rome under Nero, a self-deluded leader who thought he was God. And in that environment, he's, writing, he's got Ephesus as a comment. And if Ephesus had a traveler's book, you would always find the temple of Artemis or Diana in there. And the whole culture of that world was messed up. You know, it's, it's this goddess of sex, and, and, and the temple was one of the wonders of the world. You know, these people worked themselves up into a religious-type frenzy and then got caught up in debaucherous sexuality. You know, church, we have nothing on that world. And yet these are still. These still days are filled with evil. You know, their morals were lower than animals. Black magic, astrology, perversion, idolatry, the whole lot was a mess. And here's this this conflict. That this is trying to influence the Christian world, this, this counterculture of Christianity, which is growing and impacting the world. And there's this opposition, and we see it when Paul's in trouble, where they're preaching about it, but yet they build a church because they see what's going on and they're going to stand for righteousness. They're going to do good to all, especially their household of faith. We, we could look at our world and go, whoa, we, and, and we're desperate. We could Give up their dark days, and the hearts of men have turned dark, and we can't do anything. I refuse to accept that we can't impact our world for Christ. I refuse to accept that we, we're doing okay, and that's all we need to do. I, I, I don't. We, we can do more for God, but we need to think circumspectly. Let's not give up. G. Campbell Morgan says it like this The days of moral corruption offer special opportunities for the prosecution or demonstration of great enterprises for the kingdom of God. The things that make it difficult for us to live as Christians are the things that give us opportunity to shine. Hard times are blessings in disguise. And these days of moral compromise, even though they're not as bad as the Roman Empire and the world of the Ephesians, They still offer us us amazing opportunities for the gospel. These days are still filled with evil, but they're still filled with opportunity. When the world around us seems messed up, we have an incredible opportunity to demonstrate the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. The darker the night, the brighter the light shines. And all that's good to say, but how do we do that? Well, verse 17 says this, 517. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We need to learn to do the will of God. We, learn to, we need to realise that we have to redeem the time. We need to realise that we need to watch our path circumspect, circumspect, circumspect. So God's will. And I would, again, go back and encourage you. Maybe it would be good if some of us sat down for a while, maybe in a group, or small groups and maybe watch the video of Martin Luther King's final speech. It's April 3rd, 1968. I've got my notes there. His final speech and and how much there is a reference to Christ-likeness in his world. He refers to things like the Good Samaritan. He refers to a culture and, and a way in which to live. And it's amazing how he he, he does like a third person type uh, comment in the midst of the, the threats and the forces and, and, the, and the, the death, death threats, etc. There's something that undergirds him. And, and he talks about this, and I'll paraphrase. He, he, he says, Just suppose that God came and took me to the hills of time and showed me the empires of the world. I'd see the Roman Empire, I'd see the Egyptian Empire, I'd see Greece and, and the Renaissance and the Protestant Reformation and the days of Abraham Lincoln, etc. And asked me what days would I want to live in? He said, I would say the second half of the 20th century. Right now, for these are the opportunities. This is my time. This is the season for God to call me. And he, he goes on, you should, you should listen to it. Strange statement to make that he would say. The nation was sick and troubled, turmoil, confusion all around. But when you listen to his speech, you hear the power of the conviction of his heart, which I believe comes from a heartbeat for the things of God. And he says this, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. He's allowed me to go up to the mountaintop. I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as people, We will get to the promised land and I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man for my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Wow. I don't know know if you could sit down and turn the volume up and listen to that speech. And maybe imagine you're in a crowd of 50,000 people who've been oppressed. And he's trying to change their vision from what they see in the natural to something beyond that. I've been to the mountaintop, he says. What powerful words. I just want to do God's will. I don't know what the future holds. I know it could be dark. But there's a fierce urgency of the now. But a gratefulness for the privilege of being alive today for such a time as this, and I don't know how you feel that God's placed you in this season, in this place, at this time. But there is a fair urgency of now, church, for us to live more like Christ. I will make a quick side note; it'll probably get me in trouble and be misunderstood. And I, but I firmly believe that if he would, he would be ashamed of the black lives matters movement violent behaviours not of the cause of the equality of man regardless of skin or race education standard or whatever but he'd be afraid of that violence. he would be he would, he actually constantly called for peaceful protest and condemned violence as a means to peace or equality i mean physical violence it doesn't mean we can't have a tenacity in our spirit. It doesn't mean we can't speak with courage. Not, a, not Listen, not condemning, not judging, but speak with conviction. I just want to do God's will. Like the musicians, the singers to come as I try and wrap up. so Here's the question. In the midst of these days which are filled with evil, am I an optimist or a pessimist? Well, I'm an optimist and a realist because I know God watches over and involves Himself in the circumstances of life. He doesn't control them. He involves Himself in them. I can understand sometimes being pessimistic. It's a normal part of life when we focus on the circumstances. Think about the disciples at the crucifixion. They would have been pessimistic for three days. They would have been pessimistic for three days. But when the truth broke through, and they saw beyond the moment to the season and the times. They began to believe the, the best good news anyone would ever hear. Their sorrow turned to joy, their grief to laughter, their despair gave way to hope. They probably had the battle with pessimism when they saw Jesus ascend and, and then what do we do now? But then the day of Pentecost came and hope was stirred again in their hearts. See, we live this side of an empty tomb and this side of Pentecost. And while the feelings of pessimism might try to invade our lives, we should always refocus on the resurrection and at least turn our pessimism into realism. Stuff happens. The sun shines and it rains on the just and the unjust. Seed, time and harvest continue until Jesus comes. Jesus actually challenged the people, especially believers, about how they viewed the circumstances. He challenged them. that the, He challenged the thinking that good things happen to good thing, people and bad things happen to bad people. In Luke 13, he records, recorded, there were present at that season, some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, do you suppose these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or about those 18 whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? See, whether it's a man-made tragedy, pirate slaughter, pilot slaughter, or a natural tragedy, the fall of the tower, it's wrong to assume that victims are somehow worse than everyone else and thus deserve what happened to them or that good people are exempt from tragedy. Either way is wrong. Ecclesiastes says it like this, 9 I returned and saw under the sun the race is not to the swift, the battle to the strong, bread to the wise, or riches to men of understanding, nor favour to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. Stuff happens. Don't judge each other when things go wrong, and don't judge each other when things go right. Doesn't mean people are following God because things go right. Plenty of wicked people prosper. Let's just live the best we can for God. Let's look to our own heart and our own life and our own Christ-likeness. Are we living in that sense of emptying ourselves and living Christ-like? Are we in the sense of kenosis, emptying ourselves and and cross-like serving one another? In these days that you're filled with evil, let's turn the light on. Let's fill them with the goodness of God. Let's have rivers of living water flowing out of us. Let that abiding anointing rise up and flow out and touch our world and bring healing and hope and deliverance to a world that's in such tragedy. So Christians face battles. One of the battles we might face, especially in 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 an upbeat Western type of world, is the battle against pessimism and to be real. In this life, things will happen, good, bad, and ugly. But we also live hopeful. We also live with a sense of God has this together. God has our future in plan. He thoughts toward us are for good and not for evil, to give us a future and a hope. We should be much more optimistic overall because though we see what's happening around us, we know that Christ conquered them all and He conquered the grave. And because He lives in Him, we live also. And While I wonder and have concerns for what the future holds in the short term, I'm actually more concerned in natural sense about Putin and Xi Jinping meeting than I am about COVID issues. Gog and Magog gathering together to make a battle in the world. I'm not saying it is, but that would that would be more focused on end times to me than COVID. The natural world could cause us to have concerns. And I do have those. I have those concerns for my children and their children. But I do know what the long term term holds, and that's why I have courage. That's why I have optimism, because I know that He will somehow work it all for good in the end. And that makes me ultimately a biblical optimist. It's a great days to be alive. Exciting days, amazing days, uncertain days, frightening days, days for action and not for complacency. And they're all true at the same time. But when we see evil advancing in the world, keep in mind what Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against it. There've always been times like these. And no matter what happens today, the promises of God will still be true. Let me read some as we close. Exodus 15, the Lord is the strength in my song. He's become my salvation. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 1 Samuel 2.2, there is no rock like our God. 2 Kings 6.16, those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Psalm 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 46.1, God is my refuge and strength. And ever-present help in the time of trouble. Psalm 103:12, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed my transgressions from me. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Micah 7:18. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? Romans 8:31, if God be for us. Who can be or succeed against us, it means. Not who can be, but who can succeed against us. These weapons will be formed, but they will not prosper. Hebrews 13, 5. Never, never, never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 1 John 2, 1 to 3. He is God. He, he is God's way of dealing with our sin. Talking of Jesus. And not only ours, but the sins of the whole world. I read that to you in a couple of different versions. And Jubilee Bible says it like this. He is a reconciliation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2 in the C, uh, NCV. He died in our place to take away our sins. And not only ours, but the sins of all people. In the in New International Readers Version. He gave His life to pay for our sins, but he not only paid for ours. He also paid for the sins of the whole world. See, while I'm a realist, that some people will continue to refuse and reject the message of the gospel, I am always hopeful that the ones I am touching each and every day will sometime respond positively because their sins have already been paid for. And while they breathe, there is hope that they will see the hope in Jesus. They will take on faith in the love of God, find His mercy and His grace. My final two verses. And I could quote and quote and quote and quote. The second last verse of the Bible says this in Revelation twenty two twenty: He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Lord Jesus. That's how we should live, church. In the light of the promises, in the light of the reality of the return of Jesus Christ. And in that context, Paul says this, my dear brothers, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Be encouraged. Let not your heart be troubled. Watch your step. Redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity. Seek to do God's will every day. So, why be a pessimist when we're living in the greatest days of history? Who knows? We may be the generation that hears the trumpet call, we may be the ones that see Jesus return in the clouds of glory might be you or me before we die. Would it not be wonderful? And regardless, let's live like that. Things could get better or worse at the same time, and they will. But do not despair. These are good days. So let's make the most of every opportunity set before us. Before we close, maybe you're here today. You've not heard about Jesus. Maybe you've not heard about the goodness of God. Maybe you've felt that Christians and church in general have condemned you and judged you. Can I tell you right now, I don't care where you've come from or what your background's like. I don't care whether you're straight or grey, single or married. I don't care what your life looks like. I don't care if you're pregnant in or outside of marriage. I don't care what your life looked like up to this point of time. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world and He says I set before you an open door you have an opportunity to choose the God who loves you the only God who's real the only God who gave His life the only God who emptied Himself to serve you and prove that on a cross that He loved you beyond measure And you can make a choice to follow Him and accept Him. Will it be easy? No. Will everyone like you? No. Some of your friends who don't know Jesus will less like you, if not hate you. Some will even reject you. Will every Christian be nice to you? No. We are far from perfect. We will mess up too. But the issue is, how's your relationship with the One who has an eternity for you that is good? And you can choose today. Joshua said, Choose you this day whom you would serve, the Lord or not. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What will you choose today? Whosoever will may come. Maybe you want to pray and accept Christ as the Lord of your life. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front today. We'll probably get journey to that again one day or not. But I'm going to ask you, would you be willing to pray that? I'm going to ask people to close their eyes and bow their heads. Before I pray, I'm going to ask you, would you have the courage just to raise your hand and say, I want to receive Jesus or I want to recommit my life to Him. And then moment only for a moment or two, then pull it back down. Then we're going to pray. And then I would encourage you to let someone know. You look on stage here, anyone up here, you can talk to them, any of the people at the reception desk. We would love to help you on your journey of faith. Give you a Bible, give you something to start your journey. Can we close your eyes and bow our heads, please? If that's you, you want to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ, just quickly raise your hand and put it down right now. And if you're at home watching, do it in your lounge room. Just lift it up and put it down. Come on. I'm not even looking. I'm going to pray anyway. Father, I believe there are people today hearing this word, whether it's now in time or watching it online at some other time of this day you're listening you're watching it now today you're today wherever you are whenever you are you're today god is calling you just pray simply heavenly father i ask you to forgive me of all my sin i thank you that in fact you already have I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Saviour. Help me to live for you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was you, I'd encourage you. If you're watching online, I'd encourage you to find a church wherever you might be. If you're in Bundaberg region, We have a campus at Ginger here we're starting a church. We've got a campus on Tuesday nights currently at Childers. Hopefully Sundays in the future. In fact, we will shortly. Find a place, call home. It's not only this church, there are many great churches in this city. Maybe you're not well and you need prayer. We're going to just open the altar if you want to come. Pastor Robert, Pastor Brenda, myself. Uh, Any other pastors here, you're welcome to come pray, even the board members. I want to pray for you. The Bible says like, pray for one another. It's important that we do that.